Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in. It is week four of college football. I'm A.J. Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. This Let's is go. R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college football edition. Week four already. I mean, there's only... We're only going to get 12 games out of each of these teams. we got mm-hmm. about 13 weeks before we get to bowl season. It's already going by too fast. I'm just pumped because we had a monster week last week on this podcast. We did. And in our contest, we had a great week. We went 4-1 and one of our five college picks in the contest. But we talked about all the top 25 games on this pod. And we actually took the contest sheet. I actually have last week's contest sheet right here in front of me. And we circled 11 games on the college football card, AJ. And in those 11 games, we went 9-2. and two. Yeah. It just so happens that one of those two losses – was one of the games that we put yeah. on our con- on our contest card, but still a four and one week in college and uh, nine and two of our eleven leans, if you will, our best bets that we released on social media, undefeated. Yeah, three and zero, three and zero on the the social media videos. And if you're not watching those videos, just follow at pregame now or follow AJ is the real and at Scott's on air on Twitter, and we post those videos where we give out the uh, best bets. It's funny, I didn't get any shit for Air Force, uh, like pre, pre-game, I didn't get any shit, and it was, luckily it wasn't much of a sweat, it mm-hmm. was over pretty quickly. I didn't get any shit for LSU mm-hmm. against Mississippi State. You had Syracuse. Got a lot for, of shit for it. You got a lot. A lot of shit for it. But? Vindication. Vindication. Garrett Schrader is him. Yeah. So And, and, and watching that game, it was like, I was just rooting for them to run up the score. Like, when he he ran at the end of the game, they were running the clock out, and he ran that naked bootleg and then slid down. I, w- I wanted him to keep running. <laughs> just get him to just go score more points because I wanted it to be such a lopsided win that people wouldn't say anything. But, yeah, it was amazing. Like, people reacted to the picks and was like, hey, I like some of those picks, but I think you're on the wrong side there with Syracuse. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. It happens. Listen, I've been on the wrong side of a lot of games. But uh, that one was was a good feeling to win that one. So we are now eight five and one in the contest. We had a terrible week one. Where we went three and four. We go five one and one in week two, uh, and that puts us just outside the money right now through two weeks uh, in this contest. The top twenty get paid. There's 153 entries. Top twenty get paid, and uh, right now we are a half game out of the money with uh, eight and a half points. The leader has 11 points. So, I mean, okay. we're, we're very competitive here. I uh, feel good about where we are. And if we can have another, you know, even a, a, a four and three week would be strong to follow up with what we just did. But if we can go five and two this week, I think we're, we're literally in the, in the, the top five, ten. But if you think about, yeah, think about where we are right now. Like there's 100 and what's the, what's the total number in this 153. Contest? 153. And we are 40, 40th? Yeah. So, and that, that's counting all the ties and everybody yeah. above us and stuff like that. But we are in that tier of at eight and a half. And you mentioned there's only two people in first place and they have 11 points. So we are 
We're on our way. We have to have a good week, though, this week. Shout out to the one guy in 153rd place who is 2-12 and 12 so far. That's difficult to do. And I, I wish that we, like... Had his picks in advance, so we could just so we could just bet the other side. That's <laughs> yeah, a good call. Uh, and but, there's no booby prize, like he, it's not like none. circa millions where nope. he's not trying to win the last place prize here. So here we go into the third week of this contest. We'll uh, we'll give you our our best idea for what we're going to be looking at. the The contest lines come out tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, and we we have to put those in by Friday. So I can't guarantee that the games we play now will be exactly what we play on our contest sheet. But we've been tweeting it out. Like we've been putting it out on Friday evening. As soon as I put the uh, the plays in up at the Golden Nugget, I'm posting our card, and you you know you people can follow along with what we're doing. All right, uh, before we jump into the games, let's talk about the top 25 and and what's happened there. One of the games that we were on last week was Florida over Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to this pod last week, I said it wouldn't shock me to see Florida beat Tennessee outright. They did just that. Tennessee a big dropper. Uh, and Alabama drops out of the top 10 for the first time since, like, 1846, I think, is what <laughs> it's I It's eight years. First oh, time eight in eight years. years. Okay. Yes. So close to 1846. Uh, but, yeah, the, and that's off of a win. So uh, the, the, the landscapes are shifting, mm-hmm. and there's some interesting games this week, um, some games that really will impact the top 25 and really will impact national championship possibilities like there, there's some people who are going to be done after this week mm-hmm. so uh anytime you get to that part of the season it's exciting uh we, we've got a bunch of g- good matchups of unbeatens like ohio state notre dame one of the, the biggest games of the year i would say one of the biggest non-conference games of the year for sure uh we've got oregon state washington two teams that are, are on fire right now in the pac 12 so some great matchups Ole miss alabama uh, because believe it or not, those teams both still have something to play for. So, and of course, unbeaten Oregon, unbeaten mm-hmm. Colorado. I'm sure that line's what about three. Uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that in a yeah, little bit. Six matchups of top 25 teams. That's so, awesome. Uh, and and remember, this, and that doesn't even count Florida State, Clemson, because mm-hmm. they're just on the outside, right? Because Clemson's on the outside looking in. Yeah. Yes, which is one of the better games of the week. But, so, and and remember, we will keep an eye on any uh, potential system plays, which there are not any yet. But whenever we have two ranked teams against each other, we always keep an eye out for those system plays. All right, let's start in the top 25 and let's start with a team that is now 0 and 3 ATS. Mm-hmm. The Michigan Wolverines. The question is, Scott, is the return of Harbaugh going to be enough to to get these guys back into the uh, their their soul-crushing ways? Well, that's that's the biggest question. And I don't know what the answer is because Michigan has won rather easily in their first three games. They have not been tested defensively. They haven't given up anything. They've allowed a combined 16 points against in three games. And the Rutgers offense is not going to scare you. Rutgers offensively, even though they you know put up 35 against Vatek, 36 against Temple, they're not going to score 30 against Michigan. No. Michigan can win this game. They can win this game comfortably. They don't need to win this game by 25 points. Yeah, I kind of like Rutgers here, 24. Um, Rutgers is 3-0 and ATS, mm-hmm. and their cover margin's better than 15 points per game. Like, they're, they're 
far exceeding expectations. Well, their defense has been almost as good as Michigan's. They've they've only allowed 30 points all season. And when you're a 24-point dog, what do you want to do? You want to shorten the game. Mm -hmm. You want to have as few possessions as possible. Good news, Rutgers, 91st in possessions per game. Uh, And Michigan, they've been happy to oblige. They are 127th nationally in pace. Rutgers led this game at halftime last year. End up getting blown out late in that game. I think that was a better Michigan team than this year's team. In 2020, they lost in three overtimes. 2021, lost by seven at the big house. Greg Schiano has played this Michigan team tough. In a game without many possessions, I, I could see Rutgers hanging within this number here. I, I, the concern is certainly that uh, Harbaugh comes back with a, an FU mentality and just wants to yeah. humiliate someone. And maybe Rutgers gets humiliated. Maybe Michigan ups their tempo and and puts the the pedal to the metal. But the way I look at this game, Rutgers getting over three touchdowns feels like there's some value there. Yeah, and I think an an X factor could be Gavin Wimsat uh, and his running ability. And I think that might be the way to keep this thing interesting against Michigan is to have a mobile quarterback, to have the defense, you know, not know what to expect. Last year against Michigan, he didn't run the ball at all. And you're seeing through the first couple of games uh, this year for Rutgers that, I mean, he has, he's got the second most rushing attempts on the team. Yeah. So the offense is clearly going through him this season. And last year against Michigan, only four carries. I mean, most of them were sacks. But I think this year we're going to see a different approach offensively from Rutgers. And don't be surprised if the legs of Wimsat are the difference in Rutgers being able to extend drives. All right. So we both uh, at least lean towards Rutgers. I would lean to Rutgers, yes. All right. Let's look at one of the games of the week, Florida State at Clemson. The line currently Florida State minus two and a half, total of 55. What do you see in this one? How healthy is Jordan Travis? Um, Last week was a little bit banged up in that game. Um, I guess it's an arm injury is what is what happened there. They say that everything's fine and he he dodged a bullet. Uh, He came back into the game and, and yes, he came back into the game, but he clearly was bothered by whatever happened to him against Boston College. Um, I, I just think that if Clemson's able to put him on his back a couple of times or even just hit him a couple of times and and make him question, make him doubt, make him panic. And I don't say Jordan Travis is a panicker, but make him panic a bit because of the pressure. I think Clemson, not just cover, I think Clemson wins this game because I think Travis can be baited into making mistakes. So to me, home dog Clemson, rainy weather. I I like the home dog here to win this one outright. Yeah, I, I disagree with you on it. Uh, that's no surprise. We were on in the preseason when we did these pods. Yep. We did the ACC preview. You like Clemson. I like Florida State to win it. You can't um, be. I mean, you can't be thrilled that Travis is not a hundred percent. Certainly not. Certainly not. But I, I'm, God, Jordan Travis with one arm might be better than what Cade Klubnick's been. That um, is, that is true. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of people are talking about Florida State's performance against Boston College, and there may be some validity to it. But they got down ten three. They scored four straight touchdowns, made it 31-10. BC scored the last three touchdowns of the game, made it closer than, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. you know. But it, to me, it's not outrageous to think that the Knolls started having some look ahead to this game. Like they said, okay, we're up 31-10, cruise control. Yep. 
Let's uh, let's get ready for let's get ready for Clemson. It, you mentioned Clemson home dog first time in seven years. Last time they were a home dog, a one point dog to Lamar Jackson and Louisville. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how long it's been. Um, but we've seen the Tigers play a bad Florida Atlantic team and FCS Charleston Southern in their games since they lost to Duke by three touchdowns, mind you. Florida State's played the tougher schedule. I think Jordan Travis can expose Clemson in in a lot of the ways that that Riley Leonard did. Uh, He's behind a better offensive line than Leonard has. He's got better weapons on the outside than Riley Leonard had. The matchup history says Clemson's won seven straight in this series. That's a little concerning. But if you dig in deeper, this is the first time Florida State's been favored since 2014. The favorite has won this matchup outright every year dating back Mm -hmm. to 2007. And like I said, I I believed coming into the season, Florida State was winning the ACC. I believe that Florida State is a top five team, maybe a playoff team. This is their this is their chance to essentially knock Clemson out of the mix. It's under three. It's it's Florida State for me. I I don't know if I'll actually play it. I don't know if it'll make my card. But uh, that's the that's the way I'd look. If you if you were on the other side of three, I wouldn't hate playing Clemson. Um, But if I'm not getting a full field goal, I won't even look at Clemson. Okay, that, that, and that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I just would. I would always lean towards the home dog here. I, if this game was at prime time, it would be a slam dunk. I'd take. Clemson. It is. Yeah, it's an early game, which I think negates Noon some of the home off. field advantage. Yep. yep. For uh, for Clemson. All right, let's look at a game that we agree on. Uh, go from one we don't agree on to one we certainly agree on. Oklahoma minus fourteen and a half at Cincinnati, and this is going to probably sound chalky. I don't care. Oklahoma is an absolute wagon right now. I talked mm-hmm. about Rutgers. 3-0 ATS, plus 15 on the margin. Oklahoma, 3-0 ATS, 19.5 cover margin. Yep. Um, I didn't like Cincinnati coming into this season. I don't like them anymore now that we've seen a few games out of them. Emory Jones isn't good. Uh, he was nine, 18 of 34 passing and two picks in the loss to Miami of Ohio. I had Miami of Ohio plus 14.5 last week. Boy, wish I would have played the money line. <laughs> uh, that's how bad Cincinnati is. He did run the ball well, turned 20 carries into 101 yards. But I got news for you. Running against Miami of Ohio, a lot easier than running against this Sooner Mm -hmm. defense. OU 15th nationally against the run, 78 yards per game. Since he's run for 239 yards per game, but that's against Eastern Kentucky, Pittsburgh, who's a corpse, by the way. We'll get to them later in this pod. And Miami of Ohio. I'm becoming more and more bought in with Oklahoma. And last week, you could have said that's a big sandwich spot for Oklahoma. Coming between the the game against SMU, mm-hmm. which was their their toughest non conference game, and their their Big Twelve opener on the road, they play Tulsa. And what do they do? They don't sleepwalk. They hammered yep. Tulsa. So uh, I, I think this OU team is for real. I, I fourteen and a half. I played fourteen earlier this week. My clients got fourteen. I'd still play at 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. I think even more, though, I like OU in the first half, minus eight. They've been incredible early in games. They are just 28 points in the first quarter last early. week. I have this game at 20. I'll be honest with you. I have Oklahoma 20 points better than Cincinnati. And ESPN's power uh, football power index has Oklahoma as the second highest rated team in the country. Their offensive efficiency ranks number one in the nation. Cincinnati's defensive efficiency, 75th. 
Dylan Gabriel is completing 82.5% of his passing. And you mentioned Emory Jones. He is not an elite passer. We know that the strength of Cincinnati is their running attack. You mentioned the top 15 defense that Oklahoma has against the run. And that's the thing. If Oklahoma goes up by two or three scores, which they will, Cincinnati's not built to come back from that. And so I think Oklahoma, they'll take an early lead, and they won't look back. This is, I'm okay laying the 14 and a half, because like I said, I have Oklahoma 20 points better than Cincinnati. You want to give Cincinnati a couple for home field? Maybe the spot is, is more advantageous to them? Sure, go ahead. Oklahoma by 17 at least. Okay, there we go. We got some agreement on this one. Let's go to Colorado. Well, we'll go to Oregon, but we'll talk Colorado. Because we know you guys love talking about Colorado. Colorado, 21-point dogs at Oregon. Total, 71. So, last week, do you think that Dion and the Buffaloes were handed a slice of humble pie? Or no? Uh, I think that... The, it, I don't know if they were handed a slice of humble pie. I think that the market saw some real flaws that has that have been exposed. And... Colorado State's not a great offensive team, mm-hmm. and Colorado made them look like one. Yep. I I, I think that – I'm sure Colorado's thrilled. They got through a rivalry game. It was a, a tough game with lots of fights, lots of penalties. It was a war, really. I, I'm sure Colorado's glad they came out on top. But if you went in as a like Colorado truther, you, you left that game going, uh, maybe not. So I think the waitress was bringing over the slice of humble pie – to Colorado, and then Dion slapped it out of her hands into the wall and said, I don't want to eat this. Against Oregon on Saturday, Colorado is going to be held down with their mouth forced open (laughs) and the pie shoved down their throat because they're going to get blown out. Oregon is going to have their way with this Colorado defense. Travis Hunter's not playing. You lose your marquee player both offensively and defensively. Bo Nix will have a field day. I love all Bo Nix props in this game, and I think Oregon is going to run up the score on Colorado and say, this is still our conference, and you do not belong on the sa- in the same conversation as we do. Yeah. I think that this defense is going to continue to be an issue for Colorado. And you mentioned Hunter. I think it just makes it worse. Uh, letting Colorado State put up 35 is not a good look. And in hindsight, letting TCU scoring, letting them score 42, that's not ideal either. In two home games, Oregon is putting up 68 points per game. Mm-hmm. They're the number four most efficient offense uh, on a per play basis. In college football right now. And And if you're just saying, oh, well, what's Colorado? They'll be able to handle them 78th defensively. Yeah. Uh, I I think this Alton crowd. That's worse than Cincinnati, by the way. Is fired up. I wish this was a night game, much like we Mm -hmm. talked about in in Mm -hmm. the Clemson game. This this should be a night game. But I think the crowd is fired up. You know Dan Lanning will run it up if he has the chance to. Uh, I, I would still play Oregon here at 21. I think maybe more than that, though, I like the over. Uh, 71? Or, or maybe a team total over for Oregon. I would just, I, I would handle Oregon. Like, but if you get Bo Nix props, play Bo Nix props. He's going to throw for four touchdowns at least in this game. Uh, what do you have last week against Hawaii? He had three touchdowns. Uh, okay, didn't have to do much. He had three touchdowns uh, passing. He'll throw for four in this game. Um, I, I just think that this is going to be uh, a big statement game 
for Bo Nix, maybe for Bo Nix's Heisman campaign, uh, which he's clearly behind a guy like uh, Penix. But he's probably behind Shador Sanders. Probably behind Shador Sanders at the moment as well. This is going to be a Bo Nix moment. Time to shine. What is it? Uh, is this, this is a, a 3.30 Eastern time game, so a 12.30 Pacific game. Oregon's going to put up a big number here on Colorado. Yep, I've been saying I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. Mm-hmm. Waiting for that moment. I probably should have jumped in last week, but, uh, you know, it, it, you live and learn. Uh, but I, I still think there's some and value. And no Travis Hunter's just huge. Still huge. think there's some value. Huddle's better get his arms rested because he's going to be doing a lot of push-ups. All right, uh, let's stay in the Pac-12. UCLA catching four and a half at Utah. Hmm. It's an interesting number here. I don't know if I want anything to do with this game. Okay. Um... <laughs> Cam Rising, if he plays... It's going to go to seven. But what do we expect from him? Do we expect... Like a, like like we talk about in the NFL, Joe Burrow not having a training camp and then how he looks in week one yeah. and week two. Do we expect Cam Rising in his season debut to just hit the ground running? No. Or do we expect him to to stumble a little bit? I, I think it's it's rough sledding early, and but... That said, you got to look at it both ways because UCLA, they've been a monster on offense, particularly running the ball, but they've got a questionable strength of schedule. Mm -hmm. And now Dante Moore, who's like, he's a stud. I'm convinced he's a stud. But now he's making his first conference road start, probably the toughest road trip in the Pac 12. Mm -hmm. Do we expect him to just pretend like this, like they're playing some bummy non conference game? Like, does he have those troubles as well? Uh, so they're not quite as physical, but I, I do think that both quarterbacks could see some rust. Utah, Utah just doesn't lose at home. We know that's that. The, that's the other thing. And Utah, like UCLA's run the ball so well. Carson Steele, TJ Harden, both have been just incredible this season running the football. Utah's allowing 2.7 yards per carry against FBS opponents. Um, Utah's 7-2 and two ATS at home their last nine. And again, I don't know if Cam Rising's going to play or not. Nate Johnson's been much better than Bryson Barnes was. But if you get rising, this number's going to go to seven. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe at that point, you're getting you're, you're making UCLA have a little bit of value. But right now, at the current number, it's Utah or nothing for me. I think I don't want to lay the number with Utah. But if you've got a money line that's a reasonable price here, maybe that's the way to go with Utah. Like I said, they don't lose at home. I just have... Big concerns about what Cam Rising's going to look like. That's fair. You know, that that's it. Uh, Nate Johnson, you mentioned, he looked good. Um, He's so much better than Bryson Barnes. Yes. I, again, I just worry what we're going to get from Cam Rising. This could be a great live betting game because let's say, like, Rising comes in and, and, and he's like, all right, he looks okay, but he starts to get more comfortable as the game progresses and it's a close game early. Then you just bet on Utah, and then hey, second half rising is now in the flow of things, and he's he's then he takes over. Well, remember I I said this before the Florida game when people were thinking he could play. Cam, if Cam Rising can't run, he's just a guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a he's a solid quarterback. He's not a a line moving quarterback to me. So uh, again, if he does come back, do I? He hasn't he hasn't he's been practicing non contact, but non contact. I mean, that's why all quarterbacks practice non contact. But again. Welcome to the show. Like a conference game, or he's going to get hit. Uh, so the only way I'd look is Utah right now. I'd lean under fifty-one though, because I I think that the idea that Rising is is going to play if he does play, I think he's limited. And 
the idea that Dante Moore playing that first conference road game and it's at freaking Utah mm-hmm. and Utah slows down these running backs that Utah that UCLA's had so much success with. I'd look at under fifty one if I were playing a uh, if I or if I were forced into a play on this game. Okay. All right, let's look at let's go to the SEC. Ole Miss plus seven mm-hmm. at Alabama. I get it. No one wants to bet on Alabama right now. They have clearly underperformed. That said, I think Ole Miss might be overrated. O- Ole Miss, I- I've been talking about teams against the spread. Ole Miss 3-0 ATS, but look at what they've done. I think they lose to Tulane if, if Pratt plays in that game. I-, I think they lose the game, not just the cover. I think they would have lost the game to Tulane if Pratt had played. And then they had a miracle against Georgia Tech last week. Uh, so they, they should probably be 1-2 and two ATS mm. and maybe 2-1 and one straight up. Uh, I don't think you can buy lower than this on Alabama. The ugly road game against USF is driving down their numbers more than the loss to Texas did. This number, Ole Miss plus 7, do you remember what the number on Texas at Alabama was? 7. Is Ole Miss in the same breath as Texas? No. What are we doing here? This is an obvious overreaction in my mind. Um, With Milrow back under center, he's the best playmaker on the field. I think I'm going to end up with an Alabama ticket this weekend. I don't see see how I could back Ole Miss at seven. If this were 13 or something, okay, I'll consider it. Seven says Ole Miss is equal to Texas, and I I, I don't believe that at all. I talked about – a matchup from a couple of years ago when I lost money on yeah. Ole Miss against Alabama. I talked about it on SOVAM. And part of the reason why, I mean, I lost that game, it was questionable coaching decisions by Lane Kiffin. And I feel like Lane gets in his head going up against Nick Saban. And he changes the way that he coaches. He tweaks things. He is more inclined to... Uh, make a, a, a decision that he wouldn't normally make, but just because it's Nick Saban in Alabama, he, he makes Gotta those pull decisions. out all the stops. Exactly. And I think that hurts him. We know, I mean, hey, Sark got the job done. Great. Saban still dominates his former assistants. Yeah. Um, I, I think Alabama or pass is the only way for me to look in this game. I just don't trust Lane Kiffin going up against, uh, going up against Nick Saban. I just don't because... I've been burned by him before, making stupid decisions just because, well, you can't kick a field goal against Alabama or you can't punt the ball here against Alabama. Sometimes you just got to coach like it doesn't matter who's on the other sideline. And I just don't think he does that against Alabama. Yeah, I I just think uh, there's been an overreaction to to Alabama playing a close game last week. I I, I mean, obviously, Milrow out there is going to be an improvement. So, um yeah, I, I I can't get behind this number. All right, let's go to the let's go to uh, Duke and UConn. Duke minus twenty one and a half, total uh, forty five and a half. And I was pretty high on UConn coming into this season, and they've they've been disappointing to say the least. Like Jim Mora brought back a lot of experience from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were expected to take another step. They haven't. Uh, take one. Robertson's been decent protecting the ball, but. There haven't been many chunk plays. Um, they got Duke got margin against Clemson. They got margin last week against Northwestern. 
but they've failed to cover their last four times as a road favorite. Huskies have covered five of their last six at home. I think this one will feel sweaty, but <laughs> I would only back the dog in this game. What do you see? Um, Duke is just they're one of the more efficient offenses in the country right now, and UConn's defense is 119th. Yeah. So I, I get it that it's 21 and a half, and it's a big number to lay. I would actually look towards the over. Um, if I had if I had to bet this game, I would go over 45 because, one, I think Duke could actually get there by themselves. Okay. Um, you know, this is a team that scored 38 against Northwestern, 42 against Lafayette, 28 against Clemson. They scored 28 points against Clemson. If you can score four touchdowns against Clemson, you're not going to score five to six touchdowns against UConn? Yeah, it should. It, I mean, it should happen. Okay, so let's pencil in Duke for at least thirty-five points in this game. And the total's forty-five and a half. And the total's forty-five and a half. Give me anything, UConn, anything at all, and this game is going over. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that take, I, and I do think I do think this game goes over. All right, let's look at Miami. The U minus twenty-three total has dropped today, even. Uh, was 51 this morning, now sitting at 49 and a half, some 49 starting to pop up. I'm surprised at that direction um, just because Miami's offense has been so freaking good so far. Miami, they don't fall into the 3-0 and ATS category uh, because they didn't cover minus 53 and a half against Bethune-Cookman last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they only won 48 to 7, so it wasn't even really close, bums. But they covered their games against Miami of Ohio and Texas A&M by an average of 18 a game. This offense is firing right now. Tyler Van Dyke, who I thought was going to be like a Heisman candidate last year and basically just stunk, now he's starting the the post-hype sleeper. Tyler Van Dyke starting to look like what people thought he could be. Uh, he's thrown for 822 yards, eight touchdowns to just one pick. Temple gave up 36 points to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. We talked about earlier in this podcast, Rutgers plays about as slow as anyone, and they give up 36. I think Miami should score at will against his defense. I, I lean to the Hurricanes here, but I, I'm going to look for a team total over here, which will be around 35 and a half. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they're, the reason and the reason why we've seen this total go down, and right now it's, it's 49 and a half. There is a 49 out there. There's 49 and a half uh, under being juiced. You can If you can still find a 50 and a half, which uh, DraftKings has a 50 and a half, uh, bet that under. Uh, there's heavy rains in the forecast for Philadelphia, okay. and that's why this number, all the sharps are now hitting this under, is because we got 75% chance of rain, chance of heavy rain in Philadelphia. Grass surface there, Lincoln Financial Field. So it, it's a it's going to be maybe a slop fest there in Philly. Who wins a slop fest? Miami or Temple? We know Temple's a physical team. We know that they like to you know run the football. They don't stop the run very well though. Miami does. Yeah. Miami's got one of the top rushing defenses in the country. So if this game turns out to be a slop fest. I, I lean Miami just because I don't know if Clemson, excuse me, Temple is going to be able to score on Miami's running defense. No, oh, I agree with that. So uh, I, I'm 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 not I actually about might it. I might look at a Temple team total under. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I, I still trust this Miami offense to get some get some points up on the board. So I, I'm not going to be turned off by weather. And plus, I mean, it's four days out. Who knows? And. and- I mean, if anyone's used to practicing in the rain, it's, it's Miami. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's look at UTSA catching 20 and a half at Tennessee. 
get right spot for Tennessee? I don't know. The total is interesting to me because it's going up. My assumption is Frank Harris isn't going to play. But this this move from 57.5 to 59 just today says maybe there's optimism he plays. I don't – I mean, listen, he's not going to be 100%. He's dealing with a foot injury without his mobility. I, I'm not that interested anyhow. Mm-hmm. But – and I, you know how I feel about Tennessee's offense. Uh, I don't like Joe Milton. I think they're undisciplined. I, they, they get behind the sticks all the – first and 15, second and 20. It felt like the whole game against Florida. I don't see how this game goes over – unless Frank Harris just shows up and is 100% healthy, I don't see that being possible. So I'd look at an under here, even with against the steam, I would look at an under. So uh, Coach Jeff Trailer says that Harris is day-to-day with turf toe. Um, he said either Harris or Eddie Lee Marburger will start the game uh, against Tennessee. But he also said that Harris wants to play. And there's been reports all day today on Twitter about, you know, Harris at the facility and he's, you know, trying, he's working out, he's trying to get, trying to play. And it's very, um, it's very interesting to see the total move, but the game line not move. Yeah. Cause that would tell, I mean, the total moving, you would, you would assume, okay, Frank Harris must be playing, but it's still 20 and a half, which mm-hmm. has been all, all, you know, for the last couple of days. So, uh, I'm not sure what to take of, of, of that. Uh, again, probably a game that I'm just going to stay away from because I don't know the status. Yeah. And it's uh, it, there's too much too much in doubt for me to feel comfortable with this. All right, let's look at Arkansas at LSU. Uh, Arkansas, 17 and a half, mm-hmm. 55 and a half point total. It's hard to trust Arkansas right now, isn't it? I mean, so far they've beat up on an F- FCS team. They have scuffled at home against Kent State, who might be the worst team in F- in FBS. And to top it off, they lose to BYU at home last week in a game they blew multiple du- double-digit leads. LSU did exactly what they were supposed to do against Miss State. They dominated a game that they never let Mississippi State think they had a chance in. And now they're back at home for a night game against an Arkansas team that has they gave them a hard time last year in a game LSU won that 13-10. No K.J. Jefferson in that game. Arkansas did a good job of limiting Jalen Daniels last year, or Jaden Daniels, holding him to just 86 yards passing, 10 yards rushing on 19 carries. Penalties killed Arkansas against BYU. Now you're taking this young offensive line into Death Valley, loud environment, I could see that affecting them again. Arkansas has to be able to run. I don't think they can against this LSU front. Uh, it's LSU or nothing for me. What do you think about the total? LSU's gone over every game this season. Um, 55 and a half. Just seems like L- it just seems like LSU's going to get into the 40s here, right? Yeah. I, again, it, it it does throw me a little I mean, that this was a 13-10 game last year, mm-hmm. and Jane, Jane Daniels had basically couldn't move the ball. Uh, that's a little concerning. But you assume that, our, that you know, LSU's offense is, is finding a groove here. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I, no real feel on I – don't, I don't feel real good about this game, side or total. Uh, my, my closest thing to a like would be the LSU side. What about an LSU team total? 
Again, it, it worries me because yeah. okay. because of what Jaden Daniels did last season. Look, I have no yeah. play on this game. Yeah, I'm just I, trying I to find either. something that I like. Um, I just I've been so impressive with what I've seen from Daniels and what I've seen from LSU. I mean, last week was, you know, you're 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 nine point favorites last yeah. week, and you just embarrassed Mississippi State on the road. Yeah, like, that's impressive, man. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I just I've been very very impressed with LSU. All right, let's look at the Pac-12 again. Oregon State minus three at Washington State. And this is maybe one of the more underrated games, I think, on the schedule this week. You know I like Oregon State quite a bit. Uh, Washington State's good, though. This total's at 56, 56 and a half. Um, Oregon State didn't get the cover last week, but I, I thought they kind of deserved it. I thought they played well enough. DJ made a couple mistakes with the ball late that kept them from pulling away. I, I'm still all over this Oregon State team. The offense travels because they just pound the football. 219 yards per game on the ground. It, it, they are going to pound the football on everybody, Washington State included. Cam Ward certainly the the best QB that Wazoo's or that oh, yeah. Oregon State seen. Like mm-hmm. he, he's solid. But to me, the difference in this game is defense. Oregon State allowing over 100 yards less than the Cougars are. So I, I'm going to trust my gut. I'm going to say DJ takes his team on the road, plays better than he did last week. Beavers' defense gets the stops they need, and Oregon State pulls this out. What do you think? I would lean home dog in this one okay. um, because I think Cam Ward right now is playing better football than DJ. And you look at what he's been able to do. He doesn't turn the football over, right? And He hasn't thrown an interception all season. He's utilizing his legs. I think he is the difference in this game for Washington State. You're giving me a field goal with a home underdog here in a conference game. That's where I lean. Okay. Uh, A little disagreement there. Let's go to Charlotte, plus 28 at Florida. This is gross. Um, But honestly, if I played, I'd probably have to be on the dog here. (laughs) Uh, Charlotte has played respectably on the road against Maryland this season, a team that's a lot more has a lot more offensive explosiveness than Florida does. Now, offensively, it may be tough for Charlotte to get anything going here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this is a bad spot for Florida. They're coming off a home win over one of their biggest rivals, and they go to Kentucky next week and, and get likely a 4-0 Wildcats team. Last year, Florida had South Florida sandwiched between Kentucky and Tennessee. They were 24-point favorites. They won by three. It is not going to be fun to sweat out a Charlotte ticket in this mm-hmm, game, mm-hmm. but that's the only way I would look here. What about you? Florida first half for me. Okay. Um, Charlotte has lost the first half, 12 of the last 16 non-conference road games. So against opponents that they are not familiar with, you go on the road, they don't start out well. So I would go Florida first half. Also, the over kind of interests me. Seven of the last eight September games for Charlotte have gone over the total. Um, take that for whatever, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but I think Florida gets out to an early, fast start in this one. You know, if, if you like a first quarter even, let me see what that first quarter is, because if it's six and a half, I, I think it's. I think that's got to be a play. Uh, Florida in the first half against Charlotte, so they're 28-point favorites. First quarter, minus six and a half, minus 162. That's the play. Ooh, that's a lot of juice. It's a lot of juice, but Florida goes, Florida's going to, Charlotte's not scoring in the first quarter. I I tend to agree. And Florida's going to have at least one or maybe two touchdowns. So 
I, I like Florida lay the six and a half in the first quarter. All right, let's look at another lopsided uh, SEC team against a G5 team. And, oh, this is tough because you know I hate UAB. Uh-huh. Plus uh-huh. 42 at Georgia. UAB continues to stink. They are allowing 379 yards of offense per game, and now they get Georgia, whose head coach uh, was complaining about the lack of explosiveness against South Carolina. I hate reading that because my first instinct on this is to take the points with UAB. Yeah. But then hearing that, you know, <laughs> that, that Kirby's not happy and he wants more explosiveness makes me think that they're going to run it up. I think so. And, and here's the deal. UAB... The, the problem with them, first of all, they stink. But they got New Jerseys. They're running at, at a high tempo. That's the worst thing you can do I against know, Georgia. Like you want to limit possessions. They're running twenty-five seconds per play. I think Georgia can call their number. But here's the deal: they've got their first road game next week, a conference game at Auburn. Given what UAB's defense has looked like, and the fact that Dilfer is going to keep going for it in bad field position spots. Mm-hmm to try and pull off a miracle. I like Georgia's team total over more than I like the side. Georgia put up, think about this, Georgia put up 45 against Ball State despite not scoring at all in the first or fourth quarters. Their team total in this is 47 and a half. If UAB runs any kind of tempo, I think Georgia puts up 50 easy. I'm still going to take the points at UAB. I, I just... I'm not asking for much. I think one touchdown from UAB is all you need. Okay. Think about it. 49 to 7 is a push. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you just don't give up 60. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know, man. It, they start going for it from their own 35, it'll happen quick. Uh yeah, that this is a I mean, listen, if you're playing these kind of spreads, you're just a degenerate. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, all right, let's look at Texas, minus 15 at Baylor. Texas started really slow on offense last week against Wyoming, uh, and then they poured it on late. Yeah, you get a 31-10 win. Not impressive. Baylor put up 30 points on Long Island. <laughs> this offense is dead without Blake Shapin, and he's out for this game already. Their leading rusher, Dominic Richardson, didn't play against LIU last week. He's got an ankle. He's still questionable this week. It's understandable Texas was sleepy against Wyoming coming off that win at Alabama. Like, if there was going to be a sleepy spot, it's after Alabama, before your conference opener. Makes sense. They were sleepy. I think they go into this game with purpose. Baylor's already dropped home games to Texas State and Utah. Mm -hmm. I I think Texas puts up a big number in this game. I I would agree. Um, Baylor... They haven't, I think they're 0 7 ATS in their last seven games. Uh, I don't trust this team at all, especially without their quarterback. So I think Texas rolls. Okay. Well, it looks like we've, uh, we've got some agreement here. Um, all right. Let's go to the game of the week, probably. Mm-hmm. Top 10 matchup Ohio State minus three at Notre Dame. It's got to be three the big- and a half out there. It's got to be the biggest home game for the Irish in years. And, and I think if, if you find the three and a half, take the three and a half. Okay. With the Irish. Um, Sam Hartman's the difference in this game, in my opinion. And we know how dynamic the Ohio State offense can be. Certainly Kyle McCord seemed to have find, find himself and Marvin Harrison uh, last week. But Sam Hartman 
and Notre Dame are third in the nation in passing efficiency. And we have not seen Kyle McCord in a big game yet. Yeah. But we have seen Sam Hartman against Clemson last year. Huge game. Hartman throws for six touchdowns. Two years ago, as an 8-0 team playing North Carolina, he throws five touchdowns. They lost that game, but the defense gave up 58 points, whatever. (laughs) The question here I have is, if you have to trust one quarterback in this game, there's no one that's picking McCord over Sam Hartman. I agree. Here's what I'll say, though. I went into this week, about... Last week, I assumed I was going to be taking Notre Dame, especially if I got a field goal. You can get over a field goal now, and I've gotten to where I'm not going to have a play in this game. First of all, I think this game will be the most bet game of the of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be shaped better than any other line. But what I saw last week with Ohio State, and, I, and Ohio State cost me money last week. I bet Western Kentucky uh, over four touchdowns. Didn't they weren't even close. What impressed me was that Ohio State shut down the Western Kentucky offense. They've allowed 421 passing yards all season long. Now, part of that's because Indiana was running a lot of triple option. But again, holding Western Kentucky's offense to 204 passing yards, that's eye-opening to me. And when you think about the wide receiver, like I, I think there's certainly a, a QB edge for, for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But the wide receivers that these DBs go up against in practice sure. are worlds better than anything Notre Dame's got. Um, I, like I said, I planned on looking at Notre Dame, but seeing Western Kentucky hang with them, I, Hartman could make the difference. I, I think if I, had to, if I had to play this game, which I don't, I would lean to Ohio State, who I just think has better overall talent. At three and a half, I would prefer Notre Dame. Yep. I'm staying. I'm staying fully clear of this game. Ohio State's defense really showed me something last week. Uh, I'm I'm taking the three and a half with Notre Dame. Three is you know question. Yeah, sure. You have to, but the push protection great. Three and a half. Notre Dame's the play. Okay. Uh, let's look at a Big Ten matchup. Iowa at Penn State. Iowa catching fourteen and a hook. This feels square, but. Penn State's rolling right now. I just can't trust Iowa's offense. Cade McNamara is clearly not healthy. There's something wrong with it. Like, I know he had the quad injury preseason. He's clearly not right. He's around a 50% passer at this point. One more touchdown than interception. Like, if that's what he is, there's no reason to think that Iowa's offense is going to get any better. Penn State's forced five turnovers last week, and if Iowa isn't careful with the ball, this could get ugly. Uh, Luke Lachey, who's their tight end, the next guy from TEU, um, he's out for the season now with an mm-hmm. ankle. Normally, I like Iowa as a big dog, but I can't trust them with the current state of this offense. Penn State struggled early. You mentioned the turnovers, and that's what's the difference in their game against Illinois, but they struggled early uh, last week. But I think that just had to do with it being their first road game of the season. Now they're back in Happy Valley, and I think it's going to be a hostile environment for Iowa to go into. And I just don't see even this uh, new-look Iowa offense not against this Penn State defense. There's too many players on that Penn State defense that I don't think Iowa's going to get to the points that they need to get in order to keep this one close. I think it winds up being a close game early, and if rain is in the forecast, um, it could keep this one close early. But I can see Penn State being up by seven, 
you know, all the way through the second and third quarters and pulling away late and winning this one by two touchdowns or maybe even, you know, 16, 17 points. Okay. Yeah, I, I lean to Penn State. Probably not a play here just because normally when I'm catching over two touchdowns with Iowa, that's the way I'm looking. I just can't. I can't right now. Here's one I do like, though. I can't think of anything good to say about Pitt football right now. North, <laughs> North Carolina minus seven and a half at Pitt. Phil Dracovic is awful. His completion percentage this season, 46.7. And that's skewed because he was 17 of 23 against Wofford. In his two FBS games, he is below a 35% completion rate. Four touchdowns to three interceptions through three games. Pat Narduzzi started getting questions this week about benching him. Mm. And he said, no, I'm going to stick with him. I think that's great news for us. Last week, North Carolina got a solid win over Minnesota team that is known for playing tough defense. Uh, Drake May made a couple mistakes, but the Heels outgained Minnesota by over 200 yards. They got a blowout win. Carolina's offense is always going to be there. The defense still has questions, but last week was another example of against offensively challenged teams, we're going to see North Carolina get margin. Pitt certainly qualifies as offensively challenged. I think North Carolina blows them out. Yeah, North Carolina as a whole, if you look at them like analytically, efficiency ranks and and just where they are on a per-play basis, they just rank much higher than Pittsburgh does. Pittsburgh doesn't – Pittsburgh's closer to like Iowa State, right? And North Carolina is, you know, in 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 probably in like the – the Iowa, the Iowa range, like things like that. I mean, I'm trying to look for comparative teams, but I think North Carolina does win this one, uh, and I think they win this one rather easily. All right. Sounds like we agree here. Boy, this is another one of those games where if you're playing this and if you want to play the dog specifically, you've, you're a lot ballsier than I am. USC minus 35 at Arizona State. Arizona State lost their week one starting quarterback, Jaden Rashada, He's out four to six weeks. They may end up redshirting him. Last week, they lose Trenton Borgay and Drew Pine to for the, in the Fresno State game. They both leave with injuries. It left their four-string quarterback, Jacob Conover, in charge of the offense. Shockingly, mm-hmm. Arizona State lost that game 29-0. to zero. I don't know if either of the two guys from last week are going to play. Whoever plays isn't going to be as good as Caleb Williams. He's not going to be able to keep pace. Arizona State hasn't scored a point since the second quarter of week two against Oklahoma State. Even against this Trojans defense, which every week I come on this podcast and say is overrated, they're not very good. I think the the Arizona State offense is just inept. If I had to play this game, it's USC minus 35. Like, there's no way I want Arizona State this week. 35 nothing is a cover is, is a push. Uh, I think that's what we could be looking at here. I don't see Arizona State scoring. I think USC names their number in this one. Um, there's just too much of a mess going on right now with this Arizona program, both on and off the field. Yeah. So I, I would stay away from them at all costs. There's no way you can get me to back Arizona State. All right. Let's look at one more Pac-12 game, and then we'll uh, we'll get to best bets. But let's look at Cal plus 21 at Washington. I firmly believe. Washington is a national title contender yep. at this point. Uh, they, they are putting up 12 yards per pass attempt. Mm-hmm. Think about that. This is a team that throws the ball 40 yards, 40 times per game. 12 yards per pass attempt. Let me do some quick math. That's 480 yards. 
that you're going to win a lot of games like this. Listen, Cal beating North Texas was a surprise in a lot of ways, but it turns out North Texas just sucks on defense. <laughs> and Cal let FCS Idaho jump out 17 nothing before coming back and winning. This is the best defense Cal will have seen all year. Their offense hasn't been particularly good since week one. Now they go on the road and face a buzzsaw. Penix is a legit Heisman contender. These are the games to rack up stats in. UW's average margin of victory is nearly 35 points a game. And that includes wins over Boise and Michigan State. I have Cal power rated right there with Boise and Michigan State. I, I think Washington just hammers this Cal team. Washington's offensive output this season, 56 points, 43 points, 41 points. 41? What, yeah, what were they doing last week? Their team total for this game, 40 and a half. We go over. I think so. I think that is the move. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get to the best part. And we've got some best bets for you here that are off the top 25 board. Yes. Um, I guess these, these are the games that are most likely to make our card for sure. Like, mm. I mean, unless we just get a real bad number on one of them. But these are, these are the games that made our card last week. Uh, I'll take the lead here and I'll go with South Carolina. Uh, minus six and I- a half. I think they find they're finally getting a little bit of reprieve. They opened the season with Drake May in North Carolina. That's not ideal. Last week they had to go to Georgia, where they held their own, by the way, against Georgia. And I don't think it was a fluke either. South Carolina's got real talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Spencer Rattler's looked much more efficient than he did last season. Like he's starting to look like the first year Oklahoma Spencer Rattler. I've talked about Mississippi State's stubbornness to throw the ball this season. Well, last week, they were down five touchdowns, so they had to throw the ball. Guess what? It went poorly. 3.7 yards per pass. I think Mississippi State falls back into a run-heavy offense. I think South Carolina is going to limit that while making their own plays on offense. I think the performance against Georgia gives this Gamecocks team some confidence. And going home against Mississippi State team that's looked rough all season, I think gives them an opportunity to put their foot down on a throat here. I like South Carolina minus six and a half. All right, I'm going to go with the Texas State Bobcats minus 17 and a half against Nevada. Uh, It sounds crazy to lay a number like this with Texas State, but Nevada may be the worst football team in the country. They're in the conversation, no doubt. They're Kent State. Yeah. They might be the worst. Uh, I would say it's it's oof. Arkansas State's in the conversation. Akron is in the conversation. Uh, but yeah, UMass I, is still around. Louisiana Monroe. I think there's New, some bad teams. New Mexico's earned yeah. their stripes yeah, last week. Nevada. I think Nevada's the worst team in the football. Okay, uh, they have the lowest efficiency rating in the country, right? Of any team, their offense has scored five touchdowns. All season. That's the third fewest touchdowns scored in college football. Three of those five touchdowns came last week against Kansas. And when you speak of that game last week, Nevada clearly played over their heads. And that's a spot I usually love to to go against. I love fading those teams that come off those unexpected performances because they can get up. To play a Kansas team, they can they could uh, play out of their minds. They could put it all together for one week, but then when you still lose, you still come up short. The following week, you just don't have that same energy. You just don't have that same intensity. Texas State is also playing with revenge. They lost to Nevada last year, 
and the Bobcats, 12th in the nation in scoring right now. They are number one in the country in tackles for loss. They are number three in the country in sacks. I think Texas State, they might shut them out, but they're going to win this game, and they're going to win by three touchdowns. Yeah, I like this. I like Texas State. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with them, what they did against Baylor yeah. uh, in week one. Like, I, I think this is a better team than a lot of people realize, so uh, I, I back that play 100%. I actually bet it myself. Uh, so I, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm going to go with another Texas team uh, in, week, in week four here. I'm going to go with Rice minus two at South Florida. Ooh. And I'm starting to come around the fact this Rice team is good. Like, they're another 3-0 ATS team. Certainly smart. Average cover margin, 11.3 points per game. Remember, they played Texas really tough in week one. Then they got an upset over Houston. Then they blow out Texas Southern. South Florida, a lot of people are open. They got their eyes opened up against Alabama. They're like, well, maybe the South Florida team. I don't think that had anything to do with South Florida. I think there was clearly a lot. It's not like they they scored. They couldn't score. I think that was way more Alabama than it was South Florida. And But remember, games like that, for a team like South Florida to play against Alabama, even a game where they showed well, those games are physically exhausting. Because you're getting thrown around by NFL players, guys, guys who are just physically mm-hmm. dominant, and it where it beats you down to the point where you're not the same the next week. Rice just played an FCS team last week. You played Alabama. Who do you think's more tired? <laughs> uh, and ironically, JT Daniels might be better than either of the quarterbacks that Bama played last week. So. Rice wants to, they want to throw the ball around. And if you go back to week one, you saw Austin Reed and Western Kentucky have their way through the air against this South Florida team. I have Rice power rated a, a touchdown better on a neutral in my power ratings. So laying less than three at home is too good for me to pass on. So the Owls, hoot hoot, Rice minus two at South Florida. My other best bets games we've already talked about already. Oklahoma, I love them laying the points against Cincinnati. And I know you and I disagree, but I'm going to be on Notre Dame, especially getting over a field goal. Okay. Hey, I want to tell you about a great offer we have for you at pregame.com. It is a bulk dollar bonus. Now, what's a bulk dollar bonus? Well, $10 gets you 50 bulk dollars. That's a 400% bonus on your money. It's the biggest percentage bonus that we have ever offered at pregame.com. Bulk dollars can be used in any increments after purchase. Your $50 bulk dollars becomes available immediately, and they never expire. So with the majority of daily best bet packages priced at $25 or less, you basically get two daily best bet packages for only $10. Because you buy $10 of bulk dollars, you get $50. Your bulk dollars spend just like cash. They're waiting for you in your shopping cart to be applied at any time to any future purchase. Buy bulk dollars. Never pay full price again. Don't wait because this bulk dollar offer is only for a limited time. Act now. Take advantage of the best offer we have ever offered. Only one per customer is allowed, so make sure you get yours. $10 gets you $50 in pregame bulk dollars. All right, that'll do it for week four's episode of the College Football Podcast. I've been A.J. Hoffman. He's Scott Seidenberg. Again, our best bets, South Carolina minus 6.5, Rice minus 2, Texas State 
minus 14 and a half. 17 and a half. 17 and a half, mm-hmm. pardon me. And, uh, and Oklahoma. Yeah, jump on board. 14 and 14 a half. Let's go. and a half. So there you go. Uh, again, great football week. Enjoy it. We get into almost all conference games next week. And, uh, yeah, let's, we're, we're in the heart of things now. So enjoy the week, and let's make some money.